Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today, you'll allow me to indulge you in a conversation of the core things of life. Understanding the core things of life looking at things from the core perspective, considering and examining all things from the optics of the core. Like I once said, that our generation is not a very contemplative generation. And because they are not a contemplative generation, we are not trained to be thinkers. Our education systems primarily are not training our people to think. They're training us to cram and cram and cram and then we are awarded against how much we are able to retain in the things that are put in our heads and we call that wisdom. That is not wisdom. That is not wisdom. That is not wisdom. It could be a good memory, but that is not wisdom because you're simply rewarding a man against how much their memory is able to retain and reproduce what you have given them. So from your education and since childhood, you're taught that way. Parents do not teach their children to think. They usually impose whatever morals or values or doctrines that they want them to acquire. And then they let those children later figure out why they told them whatever they were telling them. And recently I was having a conversation with some parents and I advised them, raise your children to think. Don't raise them only to cram. Raise them to think. How? Teach them with asking questions that allow them to think. Especially when they're in the time where they can think. Of course, when they're younger, they might not be able to grasp that. But when they get to the level of thinking, okay, so when you talk to this person this way, what do you think it means? When you go to school and are paid fees and then you start playing instead of studying like your other students, what do you think you're saying? What do you think that means to your future? What do you think are the consequences that are going to come? Allow the brain to process. Once you raise a child thinking that way, when they grow up in whatever circumstances they find themselves, they'll always ask themselves the most important questions and find solutions. That's what I call inner wisdom. Many of you are not trained to think that way, especially the younger generations in the 90s. Why? Because the biggest part of your life, you're coming from a poor country, you know, your parents started working for as long as you can remember, so television raised you up. If you're lucky like us and received a few slaps, you're a better breed. You understand? 
the majority of our people, when you look at the younger generation, many people are not really thinkers. So when we bring this conversation of considering the core things, I'm cognizant of the fact that even in life, when you go through challenges, troubles, pains, frustrations, distresses, and testations in life, many of us do not really take time to consider the core of things. If I have a problem financially, how do I examine the core issues that led me here? If I have a problem in my marriage, what was the core issue that led to this issue? If I have challenges in my workplace, what was the core issue that led to me clashing with my boss? If I have problems in my education, what were the core reasons of why my education is like this and I'm not performing as I should? These are fundamental questions you must learn as a person, a distinct contemplator to think through. Where did this begin from? And you'll be amazed that every time your eyes go to the core, you'll always find answers in life. You will learn how to play this game of life. Many people do not know how to do life. They are very confused about how to circumnavigate through the challenges of life because you were never taught to look at the core of things. Yet the world has been designed that way. Everything to come is designed by its core. If you look at the church, if you look at systems, if you look at government systems, if you look at your person as an individual, your three parts, isn't it? You are a spirit with a soul in a body. Do you agree? So it means the core part of you is the spirit. And what I might call that middle element of your person is the soul. And the surface part of you is the body, your flesh. Let's just say you're suffering from a disease. Those of you who have been to doctors before or have been around them, they always have words like, this person has surface this. We found this on surface, yet they got blood from their body. But whatever was gotten from their body by diagnosis is surface. Because everything that touches your body is surface when it comes to your person. Okay? Oh, you know, you're in a lot of pain, so we want to take some time and look into your breast. We want to put some cameras in your womb. We want to take some, you know, x-rays of your lungs, MRI on this. Oh, yes, they're looking in to the surface. They're not looking into you. Do you agree? Everything a man can see by machine or otherwise is the surface part of you. As the deeper part of you goes, men cannot see. So, 
you're dealing with a disease. But if we take time to really examine the core foundation of your disease, it cannot be found in the transactions of your flesh. It is embedded in the foundations of your spirit. I've said this once, that every blade, every fruit that you'll see on a tree is perpetuated in the integrity of its seed. You are your seed. That is why if a man says, I have a child, scientists can get blood from these two people and confirm that the DNA agrees because that child that comes into that life is a part of you, the core. And if you study medicine, modern medicine, as you know it, scientists every day get closer to cures and solutions as they dig deeper into the mind. Albeit it's on the surface, but even the surfaces that they are digging through have levels. Do you understand? Now, if you study what's happening in the latest um, fields of modern medicine, now we are having conversations and studying the DNA, the structures of DNA, this whole thing that defines who you are and builds you. And then the elements of your DNA, which you might call the genes. How then do we edit them? How do we edit the components of your DNA? You're dealing with diabetes, but we can study through your genes and realize that there was a gene that was compromised. And if we can edit that and change its language, you will not suffer from diabetes. And if it's edited in you and you have children, your children will not suffer that because it's not passed on. Things like that. That's where now where we're going. So gene editing uh, or some fields are talking about epigenetics and now they're seeing how to work with a man's body to tune it through thought for it to heal itself because they've realized that your soul, your person can communicate to your body to respond and heal in certain ways. But these are things the Bible has spoken for ages, but they're not able to look there or understand what we're talking about. But whatever is new in epigenetics is something the Bible has spoken for many years. And if you think you're sick, you're sick. And that your body can heal itself entirely on how you think. This is biblical truth. Are you following what I'm saying? But you see, the more successful they are in science, the more they need to dig into deeper the person, the surface, and trying to define with the core elements of this individual, which are your genes. That something that your eye cannot see can kill you. But a man needs this microscope to see that virus. Why? He's trying to dig into the core. He's trying to get into this virus and see how it works. Because if they don't deal with that, they cannot cure you who we can see. You see? That's how life is defined. So if people are not born again, if somebody's not born again believer, usually we only talk to them only from the realm of the surface. If you have cancer, you have it. But who are you really? 
Are you your body? Answer me, are you your body? So it's your body with cancer, not you. But only people who are born again can understand that. People of the world, when they say we found cancer in that body, they have the cancer. But there is a difference between your body having a cancerous cell and you having cancer. Now we are discussing core. Are you following what I'm saying? Recently, I was reading something on genes and they said that as people get together to produce the next generation, first generation, second generation, third generation, they say, scientifically, they tell you when you get to the fourth generation, a big percentage of original genes has changed in form or shape. Usually, the fourth generation loses the identity of the first generation to some extent or a large extent. As it is equally true scientifically, so it is equally spiritually. If you read the Bible, you realize in every generation, the fourth generations always lost God. The fourth generations always lose God. This man serves God, he loves him. Next generation loves. Third generation, fourth generation, they don't know God. Some of the greatest revivalists, if you go to the fourth generations of their lives, their children usually don't even have a relationship with the God that they served. So to be able to keep the anointing and grace of God flowing through your second, third, and fourth generation, it takes wisdom. The Bible says that a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children and his children's children. What you are able to touch is your child and their child. That's a good man. In fact, the literal word there is strong. That's a strong man. If you're strong in the spirit, if you are strong in the spirit, you know in the spirit we have weak men and strong men. To be of strong spirit means you have the ability to leave an inheritance to your children and your children's children. You can leave wisdom to your children and your children's children. So you can only affect literally three generations. Your generation your child and your child's child. You have no power over the fourth. But by wisdom, you can affect the fourth generation by how much you affect your immediate generation, which is your son, your child. Are you following what I'm saying? That's why I always tell parents, study what you leave for your children versus what you leave in your children. There's a very clear difference between what you live for them and what you live in them. There's a wisdom that can teach you to know how to affect the fourth generation, but you're not going to be the one to do it. This guy coming after you has the ability to do it because your second generation to him is his first. So he has another two to go. So his third is actually your fourth. Are you following what I'm saying? That is why now, this is wisdom to parents as well as children. There is a law. It governs the earth. Eons, ages, the worlds are evolving. And as they evolve, they are getting into greater and higher places of life. The Bible says that the glory of the latter church 
shall be greater than the glory of the former. Something in the world is evolving into greater places and higher places in every generation. Many years ago, you'd buy a plot of land, a property of an acre at $100. Today, you cannot buy land at $100. But there was a time people bought land at $100. There was a time you could have a meal at 20 cents. And perhaps there are places in the world where you cannot have a meal at 20 cents. The world has evolved and it is getting to greater and higher places of power, influence, affluence. Some are growing with it. And so the provisions of life are agreeable with them. And some are not growing with it. They cannot keep up or cope with how fast the world is growing. So what you could afford years ago, you cannot afford now. Not because you lost, but because you stayed there. So what you have now is not enough because in this eon, in this age, the age demands more. Every man in this room, if you study your life, the biggest percentage, I cannot say all of us, but the biggest percentage of all of us in this room, you are a better version of your parents. Tola. Not all of you, but many of you. Of course, there are people with conflicting genes. But many of you are usually a taller version of your father or your mother. A more handsome version of your father or mother. You're a more wiser version of your father or mother. You are literally improved. You're edited better. Do you agree? So your parents, you see, that law worked in you. What your parents knew at 16 is not what you knew at 16. What your parents knew at 20 is not what you know at 20. What your parents knew at 30 is not what you knew at 30. Some of us, our parents did not go to school or perhaps went to school and ended in primary six or primary seven. Yeah, I have educated you. Perhaps finished senior four. Or maybe you did your senior six. So you have a university degree or you have a master's and so you have a PhD. Meaning, by far, at your age, you are doing better in life when it comes to the credentials than your parents had. The question is, are you doing better in the other aspects of life to justify your credentials? If your father did not go to school, but by 36 he had built a house, and you're 40 and you're still living in your father's house because you don't have a job, no enough money to rent a house, that means that imagine what the next generation after you is going to look like and then the generation after it. That means by the fourth generation, if wisdom does not tame you, chances are your fourth generation might be poorer than you. Or if they become richer, we might have to examine them against your version of poverty, which might or will make them richer by this law, but yet poorer in their generation because 
the eons or the ages have left them who has understood it. That they might be richer than you. But when they get to their age, the demands of their times will still make them poorer. Why? Because in what was wealth in your generation, in theirs was poverty. That's how you can tell as a parent if you're failing or as a child if you're failing. If your mother didn't go to school but at 32 she had enough wisdom to sell things off the road and educate you, how can you have a university degree and you're 32, you're 28, you're 27 and you're still asking her for transport? Yet at that point, at the age of 28, she left her parents up country, up country, in Bweju, in Lamo. She left her Julu at 23, a young girl came in Kampala. Amin was here, she saw. Obote was here, she saw. There was no education systems. There was no internet. There was no Facebook. There was no Skype. There was no Instagram. The roads were not this good. There were no moving cars. They were walking. And she still managed as a single mother to take all of you to school. And you gave birth. You're still living in her house. But you cannot even give tuition or fees for the child you produced. Yet you have a degree and your mother ended in primary too. You have a problem. Every child should be greater than their parents. You're failing already. Of course, in African culture, our girls don't leave home until they marry, in most cases, which is okay. But if you're living under your father's roof and you understand this principle, they shouldn't be paying electricity bills. They shouldn't be paying water bills. In fact, if possible, they shouldn't be buying food. You're 34, for Christ's sake. The woman whose house you're living can't even speak quarter of the English you have. And you know what you're doing? You're blaming the surface. This government. <laughs> there are no jobs. Now me, what do you want me to do? What did they do? Were there jobs in their times? Are you sure they were there? These people were manual laborers. Some of them came to the city as slaves. They slept outside. This younger generation does not want to work. They are seated with master's degrees and they are rotting in bedrooms watching movies. So you have to think at your father's age, at his age, and imagine the version of yourself at your age. Was he where you are? No. That means you're failing the next two generations or three. Already. You're already determining how your children are going to look like. Because they're also going to be born in dysfunction and lack. And they're not going to be able to access the things that they could have accessed. And some of you, oh my goodness, you go to school and hang out with kids whose two, three generations have already determined the next fourth and how it's going to look like. And then you act like you come from that family. You do things those kids who they can suspend in school. <laughs> Man, we started with kids. They suspend them. And their parent is so angry. And he says, Lucas, I'm taking you back to France. <laughs> no, daddy, I'm sorry. I didn't. No, 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 I'm taking you back to France. 
Oh, I send you to your auntie in England. The boy is too stubborn. Maybe I should take him there. And then you look on the suspended list and there's a girl from a single mother's house whose mother makes donuts to take her to school. Because you don't yet understand where you're coming from. We made those mistakes. We did. We did. But as you grow, you learn. But there are people who are 28 and they're still thinking like that. You sit down and talk to them and that's how they think. They are so entitled. Well, I'm annoyed. Why? How can mommy refuse to give me transport? 32? <laughs> Is it your money? You find kids who are even calculating how much they are going to inherit when their parents are still around. And you think you're different from Adonijah? You're not. You're not. That means you're failing the next generation. If this doesn't motivate you, I don't know what can motivate you. Work hard! And some of you in this very service, this is why you're going to make that prayer to take you out of depending on your parents. I promise you, God is going to hear you. Tell God, liberate me. Take me to the next level. I must see better days than my parents saw. Because that's how life is. From glory to glory. From faith to faith. From grace to grace. That's how it's supposed to go. Our children are supposed to be richer. I know of a man, his grandfather in a lifetime made $100,000 in the 1900s. His father made a million dollars. This young man has made a billion dollars. You see? From glory to glory. There has to be something that can be traced generations up. That is why I am so attached and concerned when I meet a man who didn't have an opportunity to be raised by their father. Because they have nothing to define their destiny on, neither a vision of posterity. It begins with them. They don't understand what happened before. And for some of you, we are the only fathers you can see. Because you can trace our beginnings. And what connects us is the gospel. At least you can say, I might not understand Apostle Grace's roots, but I can understand from when he met God, or God met him. And then you build a destiny there. And some of you, it can heal you. It can rebuild you. There are things we pray over you as sons and daughters. And they switch your destiny. Already many of you, you're starting to break out of the predictable destinies of your own father's family. Since you started hearing this word, if you've seen it in your life, shout amen. But don't forget that you're getting it from us who teach you. We're the ones defining this destiny where your parents couldn't. So you must understand that some of us are paying the price of what your parents didn't do. It's common culture in Africa, except that now it has changed a lot because of the nuances of development and modernization. But in Africa, those of you who know the story, 
If a girl went to her father and said, I have been found by a man, your father will not tell you when do you want to get married. No. He's going to search the core. He's going to send people to investigate this Livingstone boyfriend of yours, where he went to school, when he was in America, who did he used to live with? How much money does he have? Which family does he come from? Who is his father? Who is his mother? These men of long ago were very serious. They even go deep to where you're buried, your burial grounds, your home where you are in Kampala. And then they say that they are buried in Masaka. They send someone there. Go and look. How does that house look like? What do the people in the village think about that house? Walk around and see the graveyards. How many graveyards are there? Do they die early or young? <laughs> then somebody says, oh, I went in the graveyards and I saw graveyards of children. Your father just tells you, no. But you don't know why they have refused. <laughs> How could they refuse me to marry the person I love? Why? Because like the Baganda people, if they found many graveyards of young people, they would either think, either you're doing witchcraft, so it's killing your young ones, Two, they were going to have the word called Okweri Yirira. That probably in your family, somebody killed an innocent life. And so this innocent life sent a spirit of death, early death in your house. Therefore, people are dying early. See, now if this girl marries this guy and he dies next week. Not that all of that is true, but that was their understanding of core. They still respected the principle of examining the core things. Who are the grandparents? We want to know whether there is incest. Because if there is incest, there is a way these children will look like. Some of you carry defects of incest on your body, but you can't tell the difference. Go and Google. I don't want to mention. I don't want to mention, but you go and Google. You'll see that some things are defects of, yes, Satan understands the mystery of core. He works with cores. He looks at a nation and studies it. This nation for years has claimed that it is a nation under God. Not above, but under God. This nation recognizes the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then he says, I think I can destroy this with a core. How do I? Pass laws that are going to bring destruction and death or any otherwise. So let's study. Who can we use? He goes back to the Bible. He sees Ham and how Ham rebelled against his father. First rebellion after the floods is in a boy's spirit. Cast B. Canaan, which was the last born of Ham. Many last borns don't make it in life. They're usually the poorest, most disgruntled, dysfunctional, rebellious, craziest. Why do you think Noah cast Canaan as the last born? not the first or the third or the fourth of the children of Ham. Are you following? So he goes and then studies da, 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 the lineage and da, 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 the Hamites and, da, 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 and then he gets in two generations of generations and then finds a Luo. He's a descendant of Ham. 
and says, if I can make this president, he can pass an abortion law. In the history of America, no white president could pass such a law. Because if the cash should come, it should return back to Ham's kids. Not Jephthah. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. And we saw black people crying. For the first time, a black man has become president. Satan is not looking at this black man. He's looking at the seed of Ham. This one can pass LGBT laws. It's in him. Now you get it. Satan can go thousands of years looking for something to get you. That is why when we explain the mystery of salvation, we are saying that the old is past. And now all things have become new. And all things are of that if he wants to go back to your generations to bring back diabetes he comes and meets you and he realizes that you are a new creature somebody shout hallelujah the moment that the descendant of Ham passed it he took him out now deal with it now the evangelicals have lost the voice in the very nation. It's going out of line and they have no control over. Now they're in recession. Recording negative digits for two quarters. In Uganda, if you buy a car, it's yours. And if you look at the price of that car in the United States, it's half of your price, which you buy it in Africa. And yet in Africa, when you buy it, it is yours. And then the other guy gets half of that price and he must get it on credit. Because the system cannot favor him to have enough. 70% of the Americans, if the record came through, own below $1,000. That is 3.8 million. 70% of the Americans in America don't own more than 3.7 million shillings on their account, which you call the richest nation. So, who is richer, really? <laughs> Maybe you're judging wealth by infrastructure. Look at the core and see what Africa has. If you look at the core, Africa has gold. Africa has diamonds. Africa has silver. Everything that has made Europe rich was in the core of Africa. The green elements. Cobalt, coltan, lithium, lead. Where are they? Here. How can you say you're poor? And then a son of that foundation and origin has to go to follow what was robbed from his core to build a destiny. How do I explain it to him? that that cannot go into the second and third generation. It's not enough that your child is a US or UK citizen, but you can't understand it because you're not born again. Or you are, but probably you are still seeing things from the surface. 
Now America is in trillions of debt. If you divide how much debt it is against every American, every American owes $92,000. But they're fighting for the passports every day. There's no Ugandan owed that much on their head. Core. Core. Let's talk leadership. Some of you say, oh, we're tired, people are corrupt. In Uganda, people are thieves. Let me tell you. If you study the core, look at even the most influential, the Kwame Kurumas and all of those guys, go study their story. At the end, they mess it up. So I used to say, God, what's wrong with African leaders? Because it's what CNN wants you to believe. That's why Al Jazeera wants you to believe. That's what all of these people want you to believe. And the Lord told me there's nothing wrong with African leaders. The only problem is that you are getting a system from Europe and America, from your core, you're building a system and trying to build it in a place where God has not designed it to function. This might be as hard as I can explain it, but it is the truth. Maybe, just maybe, Africa's problem is not leadership. Maybe our problem is they're trying to teach us what never worked or will never work for us because we don't function like they do. So we are killing each other. We are dividing each other. We are destroying each other. Boundaries between each other. Even a man of my blood, a Muntu, needs a visa to enter South Africa. Even the South Africans who are of our color hate us more. I've met them in airports. I've dealt with them. I've been in that nation. Not all, but many of them have a problem with us than the white color that enters that nation. Why? Because somebody designed a system that was not in our core. Maybe the next discussion is not to create conferences of teaching people leaderships that are after Roman systems, that are after Egyptian mythology, that are after Greek mythology, but you cannot tell because it looks modern and it is designed in a modern language. That does not mean that it carries no ancient core. All these systems, you see, something, something, school of leadership, something, something, school of leadership, go into the core. You realize that many of them are myths from cores of peoples that carry no identity, even close in interpretation of life, like yours that they're trying to teach you. Before colonization, Africans knew how to lead themselves. There was union. There was oneness. There were intermarriages. Oh, Muganda. A band, a bundle of different what? People coming together to intermarry and become one person. They had civilizations too. Do you understand what I'm saying? They had kings. They had structures. They had systems. Those things were there. Yes, the British brought their versions, but we also had our versions. And we were okay. They had children like everyone else. But you were born in 1970 or 80, and they are telling you that the largest freshwater body is Lake Victoria. Who named it? Before this guy comes to name it, what was it called? Narubari. 
you understand? 2022, it is still Lake Victoria. If a child answered Nawulubari, they would be crossed out. You have studied the Swiss Alps, the Jura, the Swiss Canal. You have studied the Napoleon. You have studied the... Yeah? <laughs> Winston Churchill. You have studied the Portuguese occupation, the Dutch occupation. You have studied the, the Peninsula Wars. You have studied all of that nonsense. Then you get a Muganda child, somebody born and raised who is of the blood of Muganda, and you ask them, which Kabaka or King was before Mutesa one or after? And they don't know. But they know Leopold. They know Leopold. They know Bismarck. So, you don't even know who you are. How can we be in 2022 and they're still teaching our children European history? Who was the first trader in Uganda to build a shop? Aldina Vizram. I still remember. Who was the first Ugandan trader to build a shop in Kampala? You don't know. But somebody's shaping you. You're leaving your core. Every day you don't know, but you're losing your person. You talk like Beyonce. You sing like Michael Jackson. You know, you dress like Kim Kardashian. You cry like Kanye West. You dress like Puff Daddy. Are you following? And as hard as this is going to be, it's a liberated mind. It's a liberated mind that learns to celebrate and leave its core. African women don't show their bodies. It's not who we are. We don't show our thighs. Those were not our mothers. No African woman shows a breast. That is not who we are. African men don't tie balances. Our trousers don't end here. That's not who we are. Leave those tight dresses for the red carpet. Those are Europe. African women dress well. But for you, you're just a generation apart. One generation apart. One generation. And already your skirt is up here. That means your children are going to dress skirts from here. And your grandchildren here. No, 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 no. We must understand who we are. African men are hard workers. We are fighters. African men... Women don't marry us. Let me tell you, let me repeat it again. Go to India, but in Africa, women don't marry us. We marry women. You can do it in Asia. Not in Africa. That's not our core. You leave your father, you build a house, then you bring a woman in. You find guys carry, oh no, no. That's not who we are. Koa. Koa. You must know who you are. Be liberated. 
Be liberated. You might not have everything, but liberate your mind and understand how the world works. Save your children. What are you telling your sons? What are you telling your daughters? You must ask yourself such fundamental questions. Because Africans no longer look like Africans now. I see people walking and I'm like, And some of you are coping boys whose great-great-grandparents went on ships as slaves and they worked in the farms of their white masters and they had children and those children had children and those children had children. The genes are enslaved. They are born into slavery and then tomorrow they are liberated but they are liberated but yet the gene is still enslaved. And then a young man goes big and punches the world and becomes a great boxer. And then he sits before cameras and millions of people watching. And then he puts dollars on the table. In Uganda here, there was another one who used to put them on a table on TV. He's nowhere anymore. In the 90s, there was one who used to put on sets. He also used to put money on the table. Zuckerberg can't do it. Bill Gates can't get a million dollars and put it on a table. Warren Buffett can't get two million dollars and walk with it. He cannot have a golden chain of three million dollars. Elon Musk cannot wear a watch of two million dollars. It's in the enslaved boys. They are free, but the mind is still enslaved. And then it comes in their mentality. And then you see a boy. He's renting a house of 200,000. He has a phone of six million. He has a watch of two million. He has a fubu boot of 300,000. But he's renting a house of 200,000. And then he goes to the village and sells two acres of land and comes back to Kampala and buys a second hand car from Japan. And then he comes maxing like this. And then Sister Carol falls in love. But Carol, do you know what you're marrying? You're marrying a man who would rather have a six million shillings phone in a 200,000 house. You're in trouble already. That's an enslaved man. He's a slave here. He can't think. And the boy with a six million phone, he doesn't have a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you do? Um, when you hear, um, you're in trouble. You're going to hear a random answer like, uh, I do a couple of businesses. What do you mean? What do you mean a couple of businesses? Uh, I sell things. Uh, I'm in real estate. What do you mean? Do you own and sell or you're a broker? Be specific. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm only saying some of those boys are not doing anything. They're lying. 
I knew a guy who used to borrow cars. Like he goes to a rich friend and then he borrows a car. Ho, 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 ho. Then he comes to campus. <laughs> you're with some sisters, you're from church, and they... So you have to tell her, Ferista. If you're in this room and you're offended, it's because you're looking at the surface. The problem is not me. Uh-uh. It's your core. There are things you were supposed to learn and now I'm the one teaching them to do. Because maybe your parents didn't do a better job. So don't get annoyed at me. Get annoyed at the system that didn't teach you truth. Don't get annoyed with me. I've not done anything. I'm just telling you the truth. Koa. Koa. Some of you even why you're sick is because you're eating things that are not in the core of your genes. That if you stopped eating them, you can even heal without the prayer of a man of God. Prayer of a man of God. Maize originated from Mexico. Maize. It's a Mexican gene that understands maize. Wheat originated from modern-day Iraq. Tigris River. So if you go thousands of years back, your genes don't understand wheat. But you eat chapati, you eat uh, donut, and then carbs heat up, and then cholesterol, and then... <laughs> what are you dealing with? The genes are saying, where are we? What, what, what am I eating? What is it? No! <laughs> For example, things like yam. Yam is an African food. You can't get high blood pressure when you're eating yams. Because your genes understand it. Okra. Your genes understand okra. Somebody shout hallelujah. I told people, if you got these banyankore who eat long horned cows, a banyankore can eat meat every day and be healthy. Some of you just eat meat two months. <laughs> you're already gone. Because your genes don't understand what you're eating. Your genes don't get it. They don't get it. They are confused. That's why spirits are not an African thing. Have you ever seen an African man when he has taken a gene? So some of you, even your problem is you're eating things your bodies don't understand. They don't understand. Africans, especially our parts of the world, we didn't know cooking oil. When someone is cooking, you say... Two weeks! The person who was walking like... They start walking... Everybody is saying, what is this core? Core. Core. That is why every man serious about their life. You take time to examine the cause of your life. Some of you even need to go back to your families and study some things. 
says that you might be able to redeem others in the house. You, you're born again. But is everybody born again? No. So there are consequences to the cause of our history. From family to national to every level, to people, to lineages, all of those levels have consequences. So when Paul is praying for you in Ephesians chapter 3, if you read the Amplified Version, he realizes the problem of men is not the surface, not the diseases, not the troubles, not the witchcraft, not whatever you're dealing with. He says, may God grant you out of the rich treasure of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit, himself indwelling your innermost being and personality. What is innermost being? Core. That's why he's praying this prayer. That's why he's praying this prayer. He's saying, I'm praying that God will strengthen your core. That's what he's saying. Your core. Your innermost being by infusing power by the Holy Spirit. Because if I can deal with your innermost being, which is your spirit man, and infuse him with enough power, cancer has no chance. HIV has no chance. Death has no chance. Poverty has no chance. Struggle has no chance. Strife has no chance. Witchcraft has no chance. Third world country or first world country has no chance. Political has no chance. Recession has no chance. Whether it's not working for them, it will work with you. Why? Because it's dealing with your core. It's dealing with your core. And Paul says this was a prayer he always made for the Ephesians. He always made for the Ephesians. Because he understood our family. It's not earthly. That's why the verses before says, he speaks of a father from whom every family in heaven and in earth is named. From whom all fatherhood derives its name. So he realizes you're different from the people of this world. And it's from there that he says, no, now I pray that your core will be strengthened. He says that when you are in the world, you're not of the world. So don't get me even started how children of God should dress. If the African culture can provoke you to modest dressing, how much more the kingdom? Are you following? So many people right now have been delivered. Some demons live like that. Some demons don't shake, they don't scream. They just leave. They just leave. They just leave. Father, we thank you for your word. And I pray for every man and woman at the sound of my voice that may the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob deliver the surface challenges, the surface frustrations, the surface troubles, everything that is not agreeable to your innermost be the core spirit man that has been not only anointed but strengthened by God. I decree that you're going to start living from within to without and that the world is going to respond to you from 
what they see in your core. That as you continue to evolve around this mystery, people will look at you and evidently say, this is a son, this is a daughter of God. Sickness is far from you. Trouble is far from you. Poverty is far from you. Indifference is far from you. Perversion is far from you. Deception is far from you. Struggle is far from you because you're born of God. Receive it now. Say, I receive it in Jesus' name. Give him a mighty hand of praise. Come on, clap for Jesus like something has lifted. 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 Something has changed. Something on you has changed. And in a few months and a few years, people are going to see it on your life. In Jesus' mighty name, say amen. If you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, this is the time to define your core. To choose whether you're going to stay in the witchcraft of your family or start a new story with you. To choose whether you're going to stay in the frustrations and troubles of your family lineage or you're going to start a new story with you. From your heart say, Father, I thank you for the word I've received today. And you've touched my innermost being. And I've come to the realization that nobody can save me except you. Today, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. I am born again. Lead me. Change me. Transform me. Preserve me. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowship at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.